Welcome to Creation, Myth, or Miracle. This is your host, ex-atheist Richard Walker. Welcome to today's show. Rather than focus on specific evidence for the biblical creation account, or specific difficulties for the secular evolutionary creation account, today I'd like to begin by looking at Scripture itself and thinking about what Scripture has to say about man's place in the universe and the age of the earth and when man became man and came into existence in this history. Now, many, many people within the church say this is simply a sideline. It's an unimportant topic that has nothing to do with biblical authority, has nothing to do with salvation, and is really just a divisive issue that would be best to simply ignore. Is that something that can be substantiated if you pay attention to what Scripture says? Well, let's take a look. Let's consider two different timescales. The secular time scale, which has also been adopted by many within the church, the Big Bang evolutionary time scale, the numbers vary, but 14 to 15 billion years ago, the Big Bang supposedly occurred, and then 10 or so billion years go by, and then our solar system and the Earth itself form about 4.5 billion years ago, and then perhaps half a billion years later, maybe earlier, the numbers vary, life itself shows up from non-life. Then you've got the evolutionary history of all different types of creatures showing up at various times, dinosaurs showing up maybe 300 million years ago and disappearing 65 million years ago, etc. Finally, you have the genus Homo, which we're part of, showing up maybe 1 to 2 million years ago, and then modern humans perhaps 200,000 years ago. And all of these numbers have some flexibility because there is not complete agreement about them. But that's roughly the time scale. And so you have man, modern humans, maybe 200,000 years ago, and then our recorded history of only perhaps a few thousand, maybe 10,000 years of recorded history, according to some secular accounts, more likely and more realistically, only about 4,000 years of any recorded history. So this puts our recorded history of man at about 0.00003% of the entire history of the universe. So only the very last small fraction of percent of the total time has man even been around. Now let's contrast that with the plain biblical timeline as commonly understood for thousands of years and totally rejected by much of the church today, the six-day standard young earth creation model. You have a total period of time of about 6,000 years, and you have man created on day six, right at the beginning, the very first week. And you have Jesus at about 4,000 years into this total history. So his comments about the beginning of things, are about 4,000 years into this timeline. So in the biblical timeline, man is there right from the very beginning and has been part of the creation other than the very first five days. In the secular timeline, or any long-age timeline, man has only been around for a very small fraction of 1% of the total time. So 99.999x 
percent of the time, man was not even there. Well, now let's look at a couple of scriptures that have a relationship to this issue. For example, talking about the doctrine of marriage, in Mark 10, verse 6, Jesus says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. In Luke chapter 11, 50 and 51, Jesus also says, That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zacharias. And additionally, in Romans 1.20, the Apostle Paul says of God, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Paul is very plainly saying people have been able to perceive these attributes of God in his creation ever since the creation of the world, not ever since people were created 99.999% of the time into the existence of the world. So it becomes interesting to take a look at how does Christian academia deal with these statements in Scripture, considering that they accept the Big Bang timeline. When the problem isn't completely ignored, it's usually explained away in a manner that makes it pretty plain that the real authority is current secular opinion as opposed to the Word of God, although they would never say it exactly that way. Last year, in an article titled Jesus on the Age of the Earth, available at creation.com, Dr. Carl Whelan recounted a specific instance of speaking about this issue with an individual. Let me read you what he had to say. The most striking and sad example of this switch in authority source I know of comes from a personal experience. In Melbourne, Australia, many years ago, I had arranged to sit down over a hot drink with a distinguished university professor, a Christian who was well known for his active opposition to a straightforward view of Genesis. At that time, he was actually the head of a grouping of Christian academics which had been openly set up to provide opposition to the inroads our ministry was making. Over the years, this group has unfortunately been very effective in persuading most Christian training institutions that compromising on biblical creation in favor of secular thinking, evolution and long ages, is the only respectable position. This professor himself, in addition to his secular science qualifications, was well regarded in the theological arena as well as being very biblically literate. He had at that time already been a frequent guest lecturer at several leading Australian evangelical training institutions. During our courteous exchange, I asked him about the above comments by Jesus in relation to the age of the world. I asked, isn't it clear that Jesus taught and believed that the world was young? I expected him to do as other Christian evolutionists have done, to try to find ways to torture the text to escape those obvious implications. Instead, he said he totally agreed that Jesus believed in a recent creation of all things. Somewhat taken by surprise, I said, well, how do you deal with that then? He would, of course, have assumed correctly that I knew of the long-age position of this prominent organization of theistic evolutionists. His answer simply stunned me, to put it mildly. He said, Jesus didn't know as much science as we do today. His words burn themselves indelibly on my memory while the recollection of my response has faded somewhat. But I recall saying something about Jesus being the creator, God made flesh, he was there at creation, he does not lie, 
that sort of thing, to which his reply was once again unforgettable. Ah, but that's where it gets very complex. It has to do with the theology of the Incarnation, where Jesus deliberately laid aside many of the things that had to do with his pre-incarnate divinity. Our conversation was nearing the end of its allotted period in any case, but I recall being so stunned by this that it took me well afterwards to fully process the implications. First, and very importantly, the professor's comments were a clear admission that the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as recorded in the Bible, confirm that he believed that things were recently created. Remember that this professor was at the time the most prominent of all the professing evangelical academics that were being enthusiastically welcomed into Bible colleges and seminaries to tell them why it was okay to believe in evolution and long ages. This would be similar to BioLogos today. He obviously saw it as hopeless to try to claim other than what the Lord is clearly saying in the Bible text, and this is despite many efforts by others to explain away this huge stumbling block for long agers. His way of being able to hold on to his theistic evolution view was to claim that Jesus was not lying, it was just that he was poorly informed. This was because when he, as God the Son, became flesh, laying aside aspects of his divinity, included divesting himself of all knowledge about what really happened when he had created all things. If I had had the presence of mind, an appropriate response might have been to ask something like the following. Okay, let's assume for the sake of argument that, firstly, creation was by evolution over millions of years of death and suffering, and that Jesus did perform some sort of lobotomy on himself so that he could no longer recall what really took place, so he just understood Genesis in the most natural, straightforward way, not realizing what the real truth was. What you're claiming in that case amounts to this, that God the Father, knowing the real truth, permitted not just the apostles, but his beloved Son, while on earth, to believe and teach things which were utter falsehoods. Furthermore, it means that the Father permitted these false teachings to appear repeatedly in his revealed word, with the result that for some 2,000 years, the vast majority of Christians were seriously misled about such things as not just the time and manner of creation, but gospel-crucial matters such as the origin of sin and of death and of suffering. Dr. Whelan also said, One thing is very clear from all this, namely that the erroneous belief that science insists that evolution and long ages are fact is the most serious challenge to biblical authority and thus to the faith in general that Christendom has ever faced. If even Jesus' words in Scripture can't be trusted on some issues, how are we supposed to trust anything in the Bible at all? Dr. Whelan is absolutely correct. This is an incredibly serious issue. And just so you don't think that only this particular professor thought that way, the organization BioLogos is dedicated to promoting theistic evolution and a Big Bang timeline to the churches within the United States in particular. And on their website, you can find their article, After Inerrancy, Evangelicals and the Bible in a Postmodern Age by Kenton Sparks. And within this article, among many other astounding statements, you find the following. If Jesus, as a finite human being, erred from time to time, 
there's no reason at all to suppose that Moses, Paul, John, who wrote scripture without error. Rather, we are wise to assume that the biblical authors expressed themselves as human beings writing from the perspectives of their own finite, broken horizons. So it's abundantly clear that the current evangelical Christian academic community is quite willing to state that Jesus, Moses, Paul, John, all the writers of the Bible, the contents of Scripture itself, are flawed. It contains falsehoods, because they didn't know the things that we scientifically enlightened postmoderns know to be true today, meaning the Big Bang and evolution. By implication, this either means God deliberately lied to us through his scripture, or he was unable for some reason to accurately communicate the truth to us. We've mentioned before on this show that frequently it's claimed that it couldn't be communicated to those pre-scientific folks what really happened. That ridiculous claim is absolutely and totally refuted by the article Dr. Terry Mortensen wrote, titled, Genesis According to Evolution. That's available at Answers in Genesis, and it's also in the blog on my website at creationmythormiracle.com. So don't buy that one. That's simply a falsehood to claim that God could not have communicated the Big Bang and evolution to the original hearers and readers of the early chapters of Genesis. That is not true. That's simply an excuse, and it's an attempt to avoid saying God deliberately lied. Now, something else needs to be very clear. When the New Testament refers to these events as real history, this is not done in isolation. This is done in relationship to explaining the theology that is being presented in the New Testament. So why in the world should we believe that the theological conclusions presented by Jesus, Moses, Paul, and John have any weight at all since they're based on their faulty understanding of history? And in fact, the logical conclusion that they are also wrong about the theological implications is also being adopted by much of the church. And if you take this view of scripture to its logical conclusion, which is done by the liberal church, you would conclude that, of course, the resurrection never happened either, since science says that's impossible, nor did the virgin birth. I don't know how anybody could consider this to be a sideshow and an unimportant topic for the Christian church. Do you? We've been discussing the fact that current Christian academia, in order to hang on to the secular beliefs in the Big Bang and evolution, have decided that Jesus, Paul, John, Moses, all the authors of the New Testament and the Old Testament, the Bible itself, is simply a flawed document. It contains errors. Jesus himself made errors. And one of those errors was completely misunderstanding the issue of origins. And, of course, the theology was built on origins, so the theology becomes questionable as well. Now, these ideas are well known to those in Christian academia and are being taught to students in Christian colleges, but they seem to be virtually unknown to the parents that are usually paying the tuition for the students to attend Christian colleges. I've personally presented direct quotes from textbooks written by Christian theologians to classes of adults at a church 
many of whom were graduates from a Christian university, many of whom were paying or had already paid tuition for their children to attend a Christian university. And when I showed them what was being written, they were astounded by it and completely disagreed with it. When I then told them, this is from a textbook in use at that university, they were shocked. So it really isn't a question of, is this being taught? It very much is. The real question is, do they truly have a justification to treat Scripture like this? Has science so solidly proven the Big Bang and biological evolution that we have no choice but to decide the Bible is an inherently flawed, inaccurate document that teaches falsehoods, and that Jesus himself was caught up with that and believed and taught falsehoods. Hence the reason for this show, Creation, Myth, or Miracle, and the fact that we so often look at the very flawed arguments coming out of science, which are accepted as proof. By the way, on the notion that Jesus didn't remember what he himself did in creation and spoke falsehoods about it, consider John chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. So does that mean God himself taught Jesus these falsehoods to promulgate? Oh, wait a minute. This is actually easy to get out of. John wrote this, and John also doesn't know what he's talking about. So maybe Jesus never said this. That would be completely consistent with the way they're treating Scripture. However, they're generally not consistent, and essentially the only area where they claim all these biblical authors were wrong is when it relates to origins. This is absolutely 100% clearly driven by an attempt to accommodate the current teachings of secular science. Nothing other than that explains what's going on here. So is the possibility that Jesus actually misunderstood things, believed falsehoods, and taught falsehoods? Is that a divisive side issue that's unimportant? If Jesus can teach falsehoods, why should we believe his statements about the salvation that he offers to us? If the words of Jesus aren't trustworthy as recorded in Scripture, then we have absolutely no reason to believe the entire Christian faith means anything. However, the good news is, the claims from secular science about the solid proof of Big Bang and biological evolution are a bluff, and when these details are looked at closely, these theories collapse of their own weight. They're actually ridiculous when you look really closely at the details from an unbiased perspective. And it's precisely because they collapse easily when you look at the details that there is such a serious attempt to suppress any presentation of the arguments against these theories. It's almost impossible to get this information presented, certainly in a secular school, but even most churches will not allow a discussion of these problems with secular science. Now ask yourself the question, if it was really solid, why wouldn't they simply put the arguments on the table and do away with this creationist and intelligent design nonsense once and for all? But no, instead, they try to hide from it, 
tell you it's not science, and never let you hear the arguments that are presented. So you need to be smart enough to make your own decisions. Demand that you see both sides of the argument. Investigate things by listening to shows like this one, by reading the documents that are available at the resources shown on my website, and I mentioned many of them in my previous recording yesterday. Remember, Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not by the removal of your mind. We've been talking about the very sad fact that in order to hang on to the Big Bang and biological evolution, much of Christian academia is moving toward the idea that Jesus and all of the other authors in the New Testament and the Old Testament didn't know what they were talking about, and when they spoke of origins, they were simply wrong. They were flawed. They taught falsehoods. But they simply didn't know any better. But whenever this topic is discussed overtly at all, they seem to take the position, well, yeah, they were pre-scientific types and they really couldn't understand what us smart people today are able to understand, and it's really only those topics that they were wrong about. Well, let's consider what Jesus had to say when he was speaking with Nicodemus, recorded in the third chapter of John. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Does this passage make any sense at all if when Jesus speaks of earthly things, he doesn't know what he's talking about? He's telling Nicodemus, you need to believe those as well, or why would you believe me about heavenly things? And don't forget that Hebrews says to look upon Jesus was to look upon the Father, and to listen to Jesus' words was to listen to the words of the Father. Jesus himself testified. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Well, are we supposed to believe Jesus was wrong about that also? Or perhaps we're supposed to believe the Apostle John miswrote that in Scripture. What are we supposed to believe here? I don't know about you, but I think I will go with the belief that Jesus was telling the truth. The Holy Spirit was involved in the writing of Scripture, as it says within Scripture, that we can trust what it says, and that the secular science du jour of Big Bang and biological evolution are simply flawed. Now, perhaps I have the advantage of studying those subjects closely for three and a half decades and knowing many of the arguments against them, but those arguments are readily available to you as well, and we will continue to present them on this show for your edification. Anyone with a scholarly interest in the Bible, or who believes that it's been well established that we have to accommodate these views into Genesis, needs to get the book Coming to Grips with Genesis, published by Master Books. It contains Dr. Mortensen's article, Jesus' View on the Age of the Earth, in which he analyzed 61 different Old Earth Christian sources. Out of the 61, only three of them even dealt with Jesus' teachings in the passages we've been discussing. And they tried to explain why we need to accommodate evolutionary views. 
the other 58 sources completely avoided the subject. In fact, most commentaries make no comment on these verses related to what Jesus is teaching about the origin of the earth. Now remember that naturalism is the belief that matter and energy is all there is, no supernatural. The Big Bang and evolution are naturalism's story of origins and how we came to exist. In discussing his conversion to Christianity, a Ph.D. scholar said to me, Learning the weaknesses of naturalism opened my mind to the truth. Open your minds to the truth and study this issue carefully. It's most reasonable and wise to put your trust in Jesus. See creationmythormiracle.com for more info.